Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Excited to dive into God's Word with you this morning. Um, before we do, before we, we jump into God's Word, um, and I'm pumped because, man, we're hitting on one of, uh, and I don't say this lightly, and I think, I think it's true for sure as of today, it might change next week, but as of studying this past week, this is my favorite story in the New Testament. This is an amazing story that we're going to jump into today because it, it really dives into the core experience of what it means to be a human and what we're all looking for. But before we get there, um, I, I just want to give a, a few quick updates on the church as a whole and, uh, and invite you to be praying uh, with us and for us in this season. Um, number one, uh, in this season, we are in a search for a worship pastor and also for an adult ministry groups and outreach pastor. And I'll just say this, man, we... Um, we realize that in, in California in general, there are uh, some challenges to be overcome when it comes to just hiring anybody, but finding the right people. And as we're in the midst of these searches and praying that the Lord would bring us the right people to fill these roles on our team, I just want to invite you to be praying with us. The more prayer, the better as we continue to um, prayerfully seek those who God is going to add to our team and to continue building our church in the days ahead. Amen? So that one, and then um, as we head into the last quarter of the year, um, it's, a, it's a huge quarter for us financially, and I, I did wanna share one, I'm so grateful for your generosity. Um, Giving year to date is right about 94% of what we were budgeting and anticipating. So thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness, for being the church. Um, but also, as we know, the, for every church in America, for, for every church period, nonprofit period, this last quarter is so vital for us, for us to finish well, to finish strong, and to head into the new year strong. And so... Um, just as Lindsay, my wife, shared, I would encourage you to be praying about um, your tithes, your offerings. Is this a season perhaps where um, you could shift from going uh, to an occasional gift to recurring giving? Is this a season where you could shift from saying, man, you know, we've been giving at this level for a while, Lord, would you have us increase um, our giving as we close out the end of the year? But here's who we are and here's what we're about and here's what we're always going to be about. And this, this at the end of the day is why we, we support the work of the local church and what you're giving toward. Our mission statement says this, we exist to help others encounter Jesus. Could probably just stop right there. That's the main reason we exist as a church. Are people coming to know Christ? Are they encountering the hope of the gospel? That's why every Sunday you're going to hear me or whoever is up here preaching about Jesus, pointing people to Jesus. Number two, um, we exist to help 
to help others experience growth in the Lord. We, we want to make disciples, followers of Jesus. Not just those who have said yes to salvation, but also those who say, I, I want to follow him with my whole life. So we exist to help others encounter Jesus, experience growth, find community, and we exist to serve others. We know that finding community, finding um, your people within the context of the church is how you grow. You can't grow on an island under yourself. You have to have others that know your life, can speak into your life. You can speak into their life. You're praying for each other. Community is not optional within the Christian faith. Um, and just like we unleashed compassion a few weeks ago, and we continue to do so in creative ways all the time, but we, we do exist to serve others. Jesus himself said, the Son of Man, that is the Son of God, that is Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to lay down his life as a ransom for many. And so we take that calling seriously. We unleash compassion up and down the 50 corridor through things like Love the 50 Week, through our partnership with local nonprofits. And so friends, if you wanna know what you're giving towards, what you're supporting, we are unashamedly saying this is what we're about, this is what we've been about, and this is what we're gonna continue to be about in the days and years ahead. Amen? Amen. Okay, fired up. John chapter four. Um, this story, and I'm not gonna read all of it. We're gonna go through uh, pieces of it on the TV here momentarily. But as Lindsay mentioned, we are in a series called Iconic, and we are discovering the life of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And the reason that I titled this series Iconic is because, without a doubt, all historians agree, whether atheistic or Christian, Jesus is and was the most influential figure in human history. He is the most iconic figure in the history of the world. So it's important that we understand not only who he was, but what his message was and what he was all about. He is the largest icon, if you will, who has ever lived. He was God in the flesh. He was not just a man. He was fully God, fully man. And he is the one that was sent from heaven to redeem the world and Today, we're, we're diving into John chapter 4, which records this incredible story that Jesus has, an encounter that Jesus has with a Samaritan woman by a well. And if you're familiar with this story at all, you know right off the bat, Jesus is breaking all kinds of social norms and barriers just by talking to this woman. He's breaking all sorts of unspoken and spoken rules about how Jews should deal with Samaritans, how men should associate with women, and he's doing it all on purpose and for a purpose. And when you step back as we look at this and you ask the question, what is this story really about? There's a lot of layers to it. There's a lot of nuances to it. But what is this story about? What is the central thing that Jesus is wanting to get across to us in this story? And I want to go ahead and throw this out here 
off the top, here's what I believe this story is about. Jesus is offering us the solution to one of the most painful and frustrating problems of human existence. And it's this problem, it's this reality of unquenchable thirst. And we're not just talking about the sensation of getting physically thirsty when you haven't had enough water to drink. Jesus is touching on something deeper, something more profound, something that affects all of us. He's touching on this idea of soul thirst. What do you most desire? What are you longing for most in your life? Why is it that things like peace and contentment and satisfaction seem to be just out of grasp for most of us? Even when we finally attain or achieve the things that we thought would bring us happiness, once we get there, it's not long before we start looking again. This story, this conversation is about finding the ultimate peace and satisfaction for our souls. It's about quenching the thirst of our souls. And so through this story, Jesus really hits three things. He hits, number one, a universal human problem, this unquenchable thirst in all of our souls. We're searching for something, and we can't quite put a finger on it. Number two, he gives us a solution. And then number three, he shows us the source, where we can find living water to quench the thirst of our souls. So let's dive into this together. We're going to start in John 4, chapter 7. I'm going to read this for us, and we're going to go through it verse by verse. It says this, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. The Samaritans and the Jewish people were not friends. We'll just put it there. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? So she's aware of how awkward this situation is. She's aware of how uncomfortable this is. She's aware that this is breaking all the rules. Just before chapter or verse 7, we read, it's actually the middle of the day. It's at the, it's at the heat, the height of the sun for the day at noon. And the only reason that woman was there at noon instead of early in the morning when all the other women would come to draw water from the well is because we'll learn later she was a social outcast. So not only is she a social outcast seeking to draw water when no one else is going to see her or be around her, now she's talking to a Jewish man who's asking her for a drink of water. The Jewish people would not even associate with the Samaritans. There's a long history of division, of racism, of religious divide They wouldn't associate with them. In fact, they certainly wouldn't sit at the same table or share food or drink with them. They believed that anything even touched by a Samaritan would become unclean. And so for Jesus to ask her to draw water from the well and then give him a drink, he's clearly not concerned with the same issues that everyone else was concerned with. It goes on, Jesus answered her, if you knew, if you only knew the gift of God and who 
it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He would have given you living water. Now, we're gonna see she's not on the same page as as him. She doesn't understand exactly what he's referring to, but what I want us to see and what we're gonna see really quickly is Jesus is offering her an outcast Samaritan woman this thing called living water. Now, why does he use the analogy of water? What does water represent? Why is water important, especially in a desert climate like the Middle East? Water equals life. No water, no life. Water is not optional for you or me or any person on the planet. Water is one of the building blocks, the foundations of existence for human life. And what Jesus is saying is simply this, your thirst is not something you can just choose to ignore. You say, well, I'm thirsty, but I I don't really feel like drinking anything today. Man, I'm really thirsty the next day, but I just don't, you know, I'm just not into water right now. I'm just not gonna have a drink of water. No, no. Your body demands that you respond to your thirst because your body knows without water or hydration, you will die. Water equals life. Jesus is offering life, and he's not just offering a physical drink from the well. He's offering something so much more, so much deeper. But what we're going to see, and Jesus hits on this, is not all water is the same. Not all water is created equal, if you will. I'll never forget um, the very first time I climbed Half Dome with some friends of mine from back east. This was before I lived in California. It's while I was working for the former church that I was at in Atlanta. And one of my buddies uh, said, man, for my my bachelor party, actually what I want to do is go climb Half Dome with all my groomsmen. I was like, sweet, I'm in, let's go, you know. So we, uh, we came out west, we made our way to Yosemite. Um, it was our very first time hiking Half Dome and just like, you know, normal early 30s guys do, uh, we did zero research at all, took one look at that sucker and we're like, yeah, we, we got this, no problem. Easy, you know? I mean, we had read a few things like, most people will do it in two days, it's a long way to do it in one day, but if you leave around four or five, you'll be fine. We didn't even look at the weather for that day. That's how prepared we were. We had a couple little water bottles with us. We had no way to clean or purify water. Friends, it got over 100 degrees that day in Yosemite Valley. We left it around 4, 4.30 in the morning. We started hiking. I mean, this is like a, I don't want to get the numbers wrong. I think it's 16 or 17 miles round trip from the valley to the top and back down. A lot of elevation gain, a whole lot of dry stretches of trail with no water whatsoever. And when we got to the base of the climb, you know where the cables are at the bottom? You start to go up the cables. Um, We were all out of water, completely dehydrated. And, you know, we'd been, you know, beg, borrowing, and stealing water from whoever we could along the way, but we just realized we are vastly unprepared for this. But hey, 
We're at the base of Half Dome. We're going up. We're going to make it. We're going to get there. So we get to the top. About halfway up, my buddy uh, Chris uh, goes into a full body cramp on the cables, on the side of Half Dome. The guy can't hardly move, all right? Now, you know, Chris is not a little guy either. Just think former high school offensive lineman. He's a huge guy, okay? Uh, so that was disconcerting, but he ended up making it to the top. We all made it to the top. And now we realize, wow, we got to go back down. And the last time we saw water was, was probably five, six miles back. We're probably at least an hour or two away from water from anywhere that we could get water. Now, we get down Half Dome, we start hiking, the heat is unbearable, all of us are cramping at this point, but Chris is in a really bad way. And all of a sudden, none of us are talking to each other, we're not, this isn't fun anymore, we're not having fun, we don't even care that we just summited Half Dome, now all that matters is survival, okay? And Chris takes off, running, we're like, Chris, where are you going? He's like, I gotta I got get to water, I gotta get to water. We're like, well, running is gonna make it all worse. Just, you know, walk steady, but he's gone. He went into panic mode. And so he takes off and we're like, well, we may never see Chris again. This could be the end of Chris. Maybe about 30 minutes later, we finally get to the source of water that we were hoping to arrive at. And friends, I kid you not, I saw something that will forever be etched into my memory. Probably one of the most awkward and hilarious things I've ever seen. I saw a former offensive lineman in the river, like the Yosemite River, where the water's coming through, just laid back, surrounded by three men in Speedos. One guy is behind him holding his head above water. The other guy is holding his feet above water. I don't know why or if that's important in a moment like that. And then the third guy, I kid you not, is feeding him apple slices and sugar cubes. <laughs> and we're like, the best part of all this is none of them speak English, they're all Italian. And we're like, Chris, what is happening, man? He's like, I don't know, but this is awesome. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, man, you know, they, they were all sitting on the side just having a picnic and they saw me just run full on and jump headfirst into the river and just start drinking the river. And they were very concerned for me. They were like, no, no drink, water bad, you know, and it, Look, it looks like beautiful, clean mountain water, but friends, it's in Yosemite. There are millions of people that come through Yosemite every year. Don't drink the river water in Yosemite. But Chris was so desperate, he's just shoveling water down. He's literally sticking his head under the water and just drinking it. He finally drinks enough to where his thirst is quenched, it's satisfied, and these men are so concerned that you know, he, this guy's not going to make it, that, you know, they begin speaking in Italian and they're trying to help him replenish electrolytes with apples and sugar, which is what they had. So crazy moment. Um, <laughs> here's why I share that with you. Chris ended up making it back. We all made it back to the valley. We got back to our campsite that night. And then Chris got really sick really sick. I mean, and we had already had pizza too. So 
It was a rough night for Chris. In fact, he got so sick so often he couldn't hold any food or water down. He had to go to the Yosemite Valley, uh, Valley Medical Center, had to get hooked up on an IV for almost 24 hours. Um, friends, not all water is created equal. Not all water is the same. It may look cool and refreshing, and yes, it may quench your thirst for a bit, but it could also come back to bite you. It could also be the very thing that kills you. It could be the thing that leads to worse dehydration later. And here's what we know. Here's what Jesus knows. Just like the human body is desperately in need, is always aware of how much water it needs to survive. And it will tell you through physical thirst that you need to go drink water to stay hydrated. The soul is the same way. The soul is constantly looking for something to quench its thirst. The soul is constantly looking for something to find peace, happiness, joy, meaning, purpose, satisfaction. It's looking for love. Our souls are thirsty and they are reaching and they are grasping and they're not always drinking from the right wells. We're not always drawing water from the places that will actually quench the longings of our heart. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying to this woman, the Samaritan woman, yes, I'm physically thirsty right now. Yes, you have a bucket to draw water from this well. I do not. But ma'am, I imagine Jesus saying this, if you knew who I was, if you knew the gift of God that was sitting in front of you, I am literally the gift of God to planet earth for the salvation of the world. You would have asked me for a drink and I would have given you living water. You see, Jesus knew something that she wasn't even aware of. He knows something that is true for all of us in the human experience. Friends, we all experience longings, desires. We want to be happy. We want to find peace, contentment, and satisfaction with life. We're all looking to arrive at some destination in our future life where life suddenly becomes everything we hoped it would be. We finally arrived Right? One day I'll be married. One day I'll have kids. One day I'll make X amount of money. One day I'll find deep, meaningful friendships. One day I'll be loved and accepted. One day my father will tell me he's proud of me. One day my boss will say, job well done. One day my marriage will get better. One day this season will be over. One day I'll quit that habit or break that addiction. Maybe someday I'll live in the freedom that I hope for. Someday, one day, I will finally be in a place where I'm satisfied, where I'm content with my life, my wife, my kids, my family, my financial situation, my health. I'll be at peace with myself and the world around me. I just know that day is coming somewhere, someday. And friends, yes, there is a measure of contentment, a measure of peace and happiness that you can find in this world. You can take a drink of the things that this world has to offer and it will quench your thirst for a moment. But here's where things get painful. 
Friends, we are all thirsting, longing, and hoping that this life will eventually give us everything that we ever longed for and that we will finally be ultimately satisfied and content. But what you realize is this. The joy is fading. Even when you achieve that thing that you've been going after for years, when you arrive, it's not long before you get to the top of that mountain and you start to wonder, you start to reach again. Is this really what I wanted? I thought this would be it, but there's still a hole. There's still a void. There's still something inside of me. It's not fixing all my life problems. This dream that I've dreamed about for so long, now it's wearing me down. It's burning me out. That marriage that I was hoping would fix everything hasn't solved the issues. It feels like I'm still thirsting for more. And every time I take a drink of the things that I am certain would quench that thirst, the thirst just comes back again in a different way. Friends, Jesus is addressing a universal human problem, an unquenchable thirst in our souls, a a hole, a gap inside of us that can only be filled by God. God designed us, Jesus designed us with a God-sized hole in our souls so that we would search until we find him. We would search until we find him. So that's the universal human problem and unquenchable thirst in our souls that we are all familiar with. But Jesus says there is a solution. There is a solution and there is a source to this solution. The solution is something that Jesus offers, living water. Check this out. So the woman said to him next, sir, how are you? Like she's responding to his statement about the living water and she says, you have nothing to draw water with. I'm the one with the bucket here, you know? And the well is deep. Where are you gonna get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He, he's the one that gave us this well and it was good enough for him. He drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. This well, sir, just so you know, has been sustaining the people of God in this area for a very long time. Do you think that you are greater than our father Jacob? Who do you think you are? You don't even have a bucket. Where do you get this living water? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty, will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. A spring of living water that is welling up to eternal life. Jesus said, look, I'm not talking about Jacob's well. I'm not talking about that water. I'm talking about living water. I'm talking about satisfying the deepest needs and the deepest longings of your soul. And there's only one place you can get that. It's from me. It's the eternal life. It's the reality of life forever with God, your maker, your creator. Here's what happens. 
oftentimes when, when we reach that moment in our lives where, gosh, we think this is it. This is where I'm gonna find happiness. This is where I'll finally be at peace. And then we arrive and it doesn't do what we hoped it would do. It doesn't deliver on what it promised. So there's four different responses that we have. Number one, we can blame things for our lack of happiness and contentment in life. We can say to ourselves, here's the problem. I just don't have enough yet. I need a bigger house, a better house. I need more or nicer of this or that. Um, you know, if I just had more stuff, if I added more things to my life, then one day I'd be happy. I would have no more worries. The issue is just I don't have enough things that are supposed to provide happiness, you know? I love that country music song. I know people say money can't buy happiness. Maybe so, but it can buy me a boat. <laughs> it can buy me a truck to pull it. Buy me a Yeti 110 ice down with some silver bullets. Bottom line, there are a lot of things that can quench your thirst momentarily. There are a lot of things that can provide joy for you and your family that can absolutely deliver for a time. But just because you have a boat doesn't mean it's going to fix the problems that are in your family. Doesn't mean your kids are going to want to go on the boat with you or your wife. You may not even have any friends to take on the boat with you. The boat alone won't bring happiness. Can quench the thirst a little bit. So number one, we respond by blaming the things. I'm just, I'm not happy until I get this or that. Number two, we blame ourselves. Gosh, the reason I'm not happy is I haven't lived up to my potential. I haven't performed well enough in life. I haven't achieved enough yet because I'm just not disciplined or charismatic or bold enough. I've made too many bad decisions in my past. I chose the wrong career. I shouldn't have married this person or moved to this city. I should never have trusted that person. It's all my fault. And the second thing we do when we realize we're not satisfied or content in life is we blame ourselves and we, we begin to replay the record of our life and look at all the ways that we've fallen short. And friends, that's a terrible way to live. Yes, there's responsibility you have to take for your life. Yes, obviously, there are some things in your life that have to change if you're gonna grow and thrive in the days ahead, but it's not all ultimately on you. Finding the deepest joy and meaning and purpose and satisfaction in life is not entirely on your shoulders. We'll get to that in just a minute. We'll finish that thought in a minute. Number three, you can blame it on the universe or karma. It's just a cruel, hard world out there I made some bad decisions early on, so I'll just have to pay for those now and get through it. I gotta be tougher, I gotta work harder, I gotta hustle harder, I gotta grind a little bit more. Survival of the fittest out there. You know, we got one life, we're born, we live, we die in the nothingness, um, so I'm gonna get mine while I'm here, and if I haven't gotten it yet, again, it's either the universe's fault or maybe I'm the one to blame. Thought about it like this, uh, do y'all remember, 
kids in the room, you're gonna love this little history lesson. Um, cassette tapes. Boom boxes, right? Amazing. I remember the days when, you know, if you wanted to make a mixtape, um, I want to get to this just so you all know what I'm talking Oh, there it is. There it is. If you wanted to make a mixtape, Awesome Mix Volume 2. Let's go. You know somebody in here titled your mixtape, Awesome Mix Volume 2. I still think one of my wife's favorite gifts that I ever gave her in high school was a mixtape. Because a mixtape, man, that took some time and effort back in the day. It's not like you're scrolling through your iTunes library and making a playlist. No, you had to sit in front of this thing while the radio was playing and you had to wait for your song to come on. You know what I'm talking about? And then the moment it came on, you're like, oh, this is it. Play and record at the same time. You had two buttons at once. And then the thing starts spinning and it's recording your song. And then right when it's over, before it hits the commercial or the next song, you gotta hit stop. So you don't like, you know, have the two songs mixing together. And then you're waiting for song number two. I mean, it could take a week to make one mixtape, friends. So when that thing was done, it was precious. But what's funny is this, I had a, I had a few cassettes that I recorded over again or I wanted to switch up the mixtape or the songs that was on there. And so I'd start from the beginning and I'd record new songs over it. And by about the third time through, man, all the songs were bleeding together. <laughs> I'm like getting, you know, little bits and pieces of one song while the next song is coming in strong and then it cuts out and the next song's in. It's all just messed up, right? And I was like, you know, life is kind of like a mixed tape where we're sitting here and we're just looking for the right track. Maybe this one, record. Maybe the next one. And for a little while, man, that hits. That thing hits. But eventually, like, I'll put some new songs on it. Maybe I'll try something else. Maybe it's... Maybe it's this or maybe it's that that will fix this thirst in my soul, whatever it may be. And we just keep adding new songs until eventually they all blend together. Maybe the cassette just breaks all together and nothing that's remaining sounds all that great. So we can blame things for our lack of happiness. We can blame ourselves. Maybe we blame the universe or We can point to what the Bible points to and we can blame the fact that we're separated from our creator. The main reason our souls are still thirsty, they're still longing is because we've been separated from our maker. The one who designed us and made us with these longings deep inside. I love what Tim Keller said. He said, you're not just made of earth, you're made of heaven too. And because there's an eternal side of you deep within, there, there is nothing that this physical earth can give you that will ultimately satisfy the part of you that was made for eternity. You are both heaven and earth designed in the image of God. And so friends, eternal life, right, is not just about the longevity of our existence into the future. It's not just about living forever. It's about the quality of our life today. Eternal life is about the quality of our life today. I mean, think about this. The solution is, is not more stuff. 
It's not blaming ourselves for our own inadequacies. It's not out there in the cosmos somewhere. It's the fact that we are not connected to Christ, the source of all life, the source of all peace, contentment, joy, happiness, satisfaction, meaning, purpose in this life. It all comes from our maker. And until we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, our souls will be drinking from wells that will never satisfy and always run dry. The source is Jesus. The solution is reconnecting our hearts back to God through Jesus. And here's, here's what we know. Eternal life, it's not just about living forever. It's about your quality of your life today. Friends, listen clearly to me. My friend Chris, when he was sprinting towards that river, trying not to die, if you would have stopped him, if the, those Italians would have stopped him right on the edge of the river, right there, is that, hold on. Hey, I've got a new career for you. Do you want that right now? No, I want water. Hey, we have an amazing, you know, filet mignon steak dinner with your favorite dessert right here. Do you want this? No, I want water. Hey, we have, you know, the woman of your dreams right here. Ready, she's ready to marry you. Trust us, she's the one. She's the one you've been waiting for and looking for your whole life. In just a second, let me get some water first. You know, we have all your hopes and dreams, all the things that you wanted to do in your life, they're right here. That's all great, but I gotta get water first. Because if I don't have water, I won't be able to enjoy any of this stuff. I'll just be thinking about how thirsty I am the whole time and how I'm about to die. Friends, the same is true for Christ. When your heart and life and soul is reconnected to God through Jesus Christ, suddenly, all the things that you were going to in life to find your meaning, your purpose, your peace, your joy, suddenly those things become completely different. Somehow they are not only better, but they're different. Somehow now because your thirst is quenched in Christ, you're not looking to your career to find identity, meaning, or worth. You're looking to your career as a mission field and a platform of worship. And there's so much more satisfaction in it when you're a part of something bigger, when there's meaning and purpose to even the smallest things that you do. When you're married and you come to Christ and your soul, is, your soul thirst is quenched in Christ, suddenly you're not looking to your spouse to validate and give you your entire identity and love and all the things, the unrealistic expectations that they can never provide because those needs are met first in Christ and suddenly you become a husband and a wife that you never could be without him because your soul is at rest. The thirst of your soul is quenched. You see, whenever we run to anything but God to quench the thirst of our souls, it only makes us more thirsty and it actually causes us to ruin the good things that God has given us in this life. Friends, Jesus is often offering living water that wells up as a spring into eternal life. He wants us to reconnect with God, our Father. 
He wants us to come back to the source of life, to quench our thirst through a relationship with him and then to live our life from that place because until you do, you may be looking at all the wonderful things in your life, but if your thirst is not quenched first with living water, fresh, clean, pure water, you won't be able to enjoy the things in your life. You won't be able to find deep and meaningful satisfaction from those things. You have to return to the source. So Jesus addresses this universal problem of soul thirst. He gives us a solution that says, look, the only way to fix this is to reconnect with the living water, to reconnect with God himself. And he says, I'm the source. You can only get it from me. I got a bucket that you can't even see right now. And I want to give you a drink of living water. And when you just one drink, you'll never be thirsty again. It will become inside of you a spring of water flowing, welling up into eternal life. Springs don't run dry. Wells can run dry. A lot of other things can run dry, but springs are fed from a deeper source. And Jesus says, I want you to return to that source through a relationship with me. Friends, if you've never put your faith in Christ, if you today would say, gosh, I'm thirsty. I've been lowering my, my bucket into the well of career or relationships or whatever it may be. And I just can't find the satisfaction. In fact, the woman asked Jesus, she goes, sir, will you give me a drink of this water? And he says, sure, but first, please go invite your husband to join us. She says, I have no husband. He goes, you're right in saying that. You've been married five times and the man that you're with now is not your husband. And the woman says, I think you're a prophet. How would you know all this about me? And Jesus is saying, I wanna quench your thirst. You've been drawing from the wrong well. You've been looking for your identity and your meaning in these men and these relationships. They'll never be able to give you what you're actually looking for. Your search ends today. I wanna to reconnect you, the outcast among the Samaritans, the one who is furthest away from a Jewish perspective of who God would love and care about. I'm coming for you today so that you would have eternal life. You're gonna be the first ones, one of the very first ones to recognize that I'm the gift of God sent to the world to save the world. And then you're gonna go tell all of Samaria about what I've done for you and who I am. She becomes one of the first evangelists in the entire New Testament, a Samaritan woman who's been married five times and is currently living with not her husband. And Jesus is like, yep, I'm gonna give you eternal life. I'm going to save you by grace. Now go tell others about it. If today you would receive the offer of Jesus for eternal life. If you say, man, I've been, I've been chasing the wrong things. I've been looking in the wrong places. It's time for me to return to Christ. I want to pray with you right now before we take communion. I want to invite you. If you want to take a step of faith today in Christ, I want to invite you um, 
even now, and I wanna ask everybody else just for a moment to close your eyes and bow your heads just to give a moment of privacy. But if that's you, please raise your hand high and I wanna pray with you. Yeah, thank you. I wanna pray with you right now for you to take that step of faith. For those of you with your hands raised, please, I want you to pray from your heart. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, he goes, if you would've just asked me, I would've given it to you. All you have to do is ask. Right now in your heart, go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm asking for your salvation. Say to him in your heart, Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross for my sins. I believe you rose again from the dead so that I could have new life. I put my faith, my trust, and my hope in you. Friends, if you prayed that prayer today, please don't leave without connecting with someone on our team. We have a gift for you. If you have any prayer needs at all, please, we have the prayer walls at the back of the room. We'd love to pray for you. And right now, we're gonna take communion together, remembering Christ died for us on the cross. The elements of communion, just the juice and the cracker here, they represent his blood that was spilled for us and his body that was broken for us on the cross. So friends, let's take communion together, remembering what Christ has done for us. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.